You happen to be looking on or listening in. Listen, we've sung about the love of God, heard about it, and I'm going to do my best to try to preach on it just a little bit out of John chapter 3, 16. That's going to be my text verse. and We're going to look at others, going to look at two or three other passages of Scripture that deals with the love of God in a way that only the Word of God can. So you pray for me, friend. Listen, you're talking about feeling um, my ineptness and my inability to really communicate what I'd like to. When I, when I try to preach about certain subject in the Word of God, I, it's, it's not uncommon to feel this way. And, and that's okay. Listen, the love of God's greater than all of us. I mean, people, when you begin to... When you begin to dig in it theologically, there are people that, that wonder, is the love of God a characteristic of God, or is it a moral attribute? Or is it a natural attribute of God? I mean, they try to parse it down. Listen, I'm going to tell you all I'm glad uh, I know is that God is love. That's enough for me. Now, it is an attribute. It is part of His characteristic. It is part of of makes him who and what he is. And there are three great things that we find in John's gospel about Jesus. The first one is God is light. God wants us to know that he's holy, in other words, pure. And one speck, Josh, John would say that he wrote, not even one speck of dirt on him. It also tells us that God is love. He also ends up saying God is life. How wonderful it look when you get those three love, light, love, life. I don't know that you need anything else because in those three you've got all that you need. So pray for me today as we look into the Word of God, a very familiar passage of Scripture. I've taken this passage as a text verse at other times, preached totally different message on it, but here we are again. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish that have everlasting life. Father, we're thankful today for the privilege of being in the house of the Lord. We're thankful that we've heard, God, the songs that we've heard about the love of God from what Debbie sang to what we sang. Lord, when we first started, never been sorry. Learned about the love of God, Father, that, well, a story that's untold but uh, in its completeness, but a story that's, uh, that's loved to be told. We're thankful for that. We're thankful for how you loved us and the fact that you do love us, Lord, with a, with a love that, that, that's eternal. And Father, we'll see what kind of love it is. Pray that you'd bless this lump of clay, loosen my tongue, refresh my memory, bless those that are unable to be. God, just gather out bedside in a special way. Put your big arms of love around them and strengthen them, Lord, we do ask today. And if there's anybody in your loss, help them, Lord, to come to fall in love with you as they hear about the love you've expressed for them. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen and amen. As we begin to think about the time of year that we're in, we're, we're celebrating what is known as uh, Valentine's Day. I, I like that. It's a day when, when people experience to get candy and cards and flowers and taking out to dinner. Brothers know what I'm talking about. We're talking about our wives, say, right? And we ought to. How many of you love, how many of you are married? I'm not going to ask you if you're happily married. How many of you all, if you're married, love your wife? Say amen if you mean it. Amen. Robert even stood up. It's sad that Rainey wasn't here to see that, Robert. You know that? 
But anyway, it's good to love and to be loved without a doubt. I like celebrating this holiday. How many of you all can remember as a kid when you used to make one of the projects you had in school, everybody was expected sort of Valentine's. We'd put those construction paper things together, put your name on it, hang it on, and people would drop those cards in your look. How many of y'all angsted like I did in those stupid little cards to find the perfect card for your girlfriend? You remember that? You remember the stress of that? They all said the same thing. All their message was benign. But I, I, I was thinking about it as I was preparing this this morning. I thought, man, I'm glad I'm past that age. And yet, you know what I did in the holiday card I gave Debbie? card in and I wrote it and said I love you and something else and I said will you be my valentine on the bottom I put two boxes yes and no she said yes amen matter of fact in her card she told me said I've been your valentine for a long time you've had my heart for a long time and I'm thankful for that but we're going to talk about a love uh, today that, that that's not like the love of a man and a woman I'm thankful for that today in our society it's been too perverted, okay? And this is what I'm going to say. I'm, I, I want you to turn, if you will, to the book of 2 uh, Samuel chapter 1, verse 26, I believe it is. And I'm going to make a statement here about the kind of love that I'm going to preach on today. It's a love that David said he and Jonathan had. David in this passage was... was, was um, um, mourning the passing of both Saul and his son Jonathan. The other sons were killed in battle on, on Mount Gilboa. And David was eulogizing them, if you'll allow me to speak it that way. And he and Jonathan, Jonathan, love, friend, he said that passes the love of a woman, of a woman. Now in our society, God help us. Do you know what kind of love they talk about about that? A love that has a man has for another man. Y'all understand that, don't you? If, you? if you've not heard that, you're living a sheltered life. Listen, that passage, 2 Samuel 1, 26, has nothing to do with any kind of love except the love of God, the love that comes from God, and the love that only the people of God know for one another. Everybody heard me say that? Everybody say amen. We... Listen, we need to know the truth in this society. Friend, listen, that's absolutely perverted. The kind of love that David said that he and Jonathan shared as godly men, as holy men, it surpasses the love of a woman. When I tell Debbie I love her, I have a phileo love. Okay? It's a pure love. It is a love that we all know. But listen, friend, when I tell Debbie I love her in the Lord, listen, my love for her ratchets up a little bit. It is an agape-type love. It is a love that is divine. It is a love that finds its origin in God. And yet I know all love finds its origin in the God of love. This one I'm going to tell you, friend, this, this love that God gives us is amazing. You see, it's the kind of love which God gives me and you. It's a one-of-a-kind kind of love. It is that, again, agape love, which is the love of God. Now, according to Vine's Complete Expository Dictionary, I found a definition that I wanted to share with you on this love. It says this, and I quote, Love can be known only from its... At, from the actions it prompts. 
God's love is seen in the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, by the way. The kind of love that was not drawn out of an excellence in its subjects, meaning me and you. It is an exercise of the divine will in deliberate choice made without assignable cause that which lies in the nature of God Himself. Hey, how many of you in here know God loves you? Say amen. Well, I don't want to bust your Bible, but He doesn't love you because of who you are. He loves you because of who He is. Now, that's good preaching. Now, He loves us. I love the song, Jesus loves me this no, for the Bible tells me so. Love is more than an emotion. I mean, it is a choice. And listen, brothers whom I've already addressed... You are commanded to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And when you do that, you'll not have any trouble with her loving you back. I'll guarantee. Now, it's not in my notes, but it's in the message. The love by which God loves us is a unique, one-of-a-kind love. In fact, it's an out-of-this-world love. It enables God to love us who are fallen Depraved in nature, in need of a Savior, not possessing any reason for which God should love us, and yet He does. And for that reason, friend, His love is amazing today. So I want you to think about four things quickly with me about the love of God. First of all, it is unconditional. It is unconditional. Unconditional means that the person doing or giving uh, does not require anything to be done by other people in exchange for whatever they're giving. You know why, listen now, do you know why God loves? Because God is love. Now listen to, uh, to my um, thinking, and I hope it's good thinking. I hope it follows a good, a good path. Since God is life or light, since God is love, since God is life, God just doesn't choose to love me. God can't do anything but love me. In other words, God doesn't wake up and you never, God never sleeps, all right? Give me a little bit of room to be facetious, to talk like a fool. If God, every morning God doesn't get up and say, look, I'm going to decide to love TK this morning. I didn't love him so much yesterday, but I'm feeling pretty good. Today, I'm going to love him and bless him. Can I tell you what, friend? Listen, regardless of how TK has been, God loves me the same day in and day out, and I'm glad that that's the kind of love God has. I'm glad, listen, I don't do anything to merit God's love, and here's the good part. I can't do anything to keep God from loving me. Now, that may not mean much to y'all, but it means a whole lot to me. It's unconditional. Now, I'd like to be able to explain this. Like I said, turn, if you will, in the book of John, chapter 15, look at verse 25 with me. Jesus makes a statement. We're going to follow through this. We'll go to the book of Romans, chapter 3, and pick up another verse to try to explain this and understand this just a little bit. When Jesus was testifying here in chapter 15 of the book of John, verse 25, the latter part of this, listen to what he said. He said, they meaning the world, men and women, men and women that, um, that, that, that he came to save. Listen now, he loved so much. God did that he sent his only begotten son to the world to seek and to save that which is lost. And yet he came to this world for men and women who hated him. And here's the phrase, without a cause. 
Do you understand what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, now look, they hated me out of something that was in them and not anything that was in me. I am perfect, pure, holy. I I am God himself manifest in the flesh and nothing in my actions, nothing in my words, nothing in my deeds, nothing in my person, nothing in my being did cause them to hate me. There was no cause, no reason, no empathy, no motive, no reason at all for them to say they hate me, hate me enough to uh, crucify me, hate me enough uh, to put me on an old rugged cross. He didn't cause them um, that out of their own depraved heart, out of their own, listen, fallen nature. They hated Jesus on their own. Now turn quickly to the book of Romans chapter 3, verse 24. Listen to what Paul said. That's one of the most remarkable verses of Scripture in the Word of God. If you don't have it marked, I encourage you to mark it. He uses a word that's really uh, significant here. He said there, as a part of of his uh, message of justification, he said that we are, we, 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 we are, we're justified, and the word I want you to get there is freely by his grace. Meaning that when God sent His grace to us, whereby we could be saved, whereby we could be delivered from the power of sin and Satan and self, whereby we could be delivered from all the aspects of sin, past, present, and future, God did what He did out of what is in Him and not what is in us. Am I saying this clearly? Now, I don't know about you, but that amazes me. Watch this. Hey, Debbie, I love you. Caught her off guard, but she finally got it. She's a little slow every now. But I illustrate that to say, I expect when I say I love you, her to say I love you back. And she'll do that every time, unless she's mad at me. I mean, it's a, hey, you women can't help but love your wife or husband. Y'all know that, don't you? I mean, God's made you all in a strange way, come to think about it. But, but anyway, it's a good way, by the way, but it's strange, you know? Um, and, and you can't help but respond back to us. By the way, that's what a help me does. I'm glad God gave us a woman and not a cow. Wouldn't you hate to get up in the morning, men, and say, hi, I love you, and she'd turn over and go, wouldn't that be awful? She wouldn't know what I said. I wouldn't know what she said, but I'm glad when I say, hey, Debbie, I love you, and they'll call her off guard. She'll say, I love you. I mean, it's just, I like that. I need to. But you know what God did? God said, hey, can I use you? Mark Fisher, I'm going to love you whether you love me back. I'm going to pour out my love. I'm going to manifest my love. I'm going to make my love, listen, so known to you that you've got to make a choice about it. But I'm loving you because of me and not you. You know what it could be said? This may illustrate it even plainer than what I've, I've tried to do this morning. It means God will love us in spite of herself. You see, the motivation of God's love, friend, is, is not us as sinners. Oh, he, he knew we needed to be saved. He knows we're not, un, uh, not deserving to be saved. But he wants to save us because God is love. You know what? 
When you think about it, nothing was required of us to get God to love us. He just absolutely loved us. So it's unconditional. Aren't you glad for that? When we talk about the love of God is unconditional. Two things. You can't make God love you and you cannot keep God from loving you. Isn't that good? You can't outrun him. You can't hide from him. You may not fall under, and I'll try to illustrate this in a little bit. You may not fall under the power of God's love, submit to it, but you can't keep God from loving you. And I am glad. I am glad. We try to illustrate the love of God to some other people. Say, well, it's kind of like a dog. No, God's love is greater than a dog's love. You know, like a child. No, it's greater than a child's love. Listen, friend, there's nothing in reality that we can compare God's love to us. For number two, it's not only unconditional, but it's unrestricted. By that I mean, and I like this, it's without limits or without restriction. And isn't that what John 3.16 says? For God, and boy, look, there's a whole message in this word, so. That, that word so brings God and man together. It brings heaven and earth together. It brings, it brings eternity together. I, I'm telling you, God so loved the world. Or I can figure it out. That means everybody. Man, woman, boy, or girl. God so loved the world that he gave. Listen, love is more than a verb. It is it, 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 the, more than a word. It is a verb which is an action word. And if you say you love somebody and it doesn't prompt you to action, then you don't love. I don't have anything else to say about that. I want you to think about it. Then you don't love. You know what? There's a difference in having love for something and loving to something. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. You have love what? One, is it two or four? It's two. See, that's where people misquote it. You see, I used to have love for a cat that Mandy had. Let me tell you what kind of love I had for it. I tolerated it because my daughter loved it in a different way than I did. And when I was out trying to round up dogs uh, that belonged to Todd, that Todd loved, and I had love for them, and at 3 o'clock in the morning, that little cat was going in and out of my legs. You know how they do, meow, 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 meow. Whoa. Now, I didn't kick it. It was just on my foot, and I just helped launch it a little bit. Y'all didn't see the disclaimer that came up before I started preaching? No injury to animals are real in this message, okay? Just in case. I can have love for something and never move me to feed it, to water it, do anything else. I mean, I've, I've, we've helped keep the pets before, you know what I'm saying? Keeping dogs in our house that are not our dogs but because I have loved to my children I can show some love for that dog is it I don't know maybe I'm not maybe I need to work on that a little bit more but look it's it's unrestricted God so loved us that in essence he he gave us the best that he had for the worst of us look look folks you, you don't have to be a drug addict need to be saved. You don't have to be a fornicator. You don't have to be an adulterer, a murderer, a liar, a cheat. You don't have to be a child, a molester. You don't have to be a, a Charles Manson. You can be a good neighbor. You, 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 can be, you can be upright and just be a liar. You, you, can just, you, you can just be a good moral man. But you know what? You're just as lost as Charles Manson is. 
You nor I, if that's our state, we merit no more of the love of God than anybody else. But you know what God did? God merited or, or, or manifested His love in His Son, Jesus Christ. And when He gave His one-of-a-kind, unique Son, He gave the best that He had. I say, for the worst of us. Now let it be known. 1971 class of Van West Virginia, the Bulldogs. I would not have been voted for the most likely to become a preacher. Would I, Debbie? She's laughing and shaking her head. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have, but I needed to be saved, and thank God today I am. But look, let me try to express this in two ways. Unrestricted, it means not limited. And when Jesus was speaking this to Nicodemus, he was referring to any group. Now, the Jews felt like they, they deserved to be saved in a lot of ways. They had that mentality. They know they had been chosen of God and all of that. But I imagine when Jesus said this to Nicodemus, that it surprised him if it did not even startle this educated man. What? Now, look. Whether they understood it or not, the Word of God clearly teaches that throughout the Old Testament, although God chose the nation of Israel, called it to Himself, blessed them in many ways, give them all that, that He gave them, that did not discount all the other nations that were not chosen directly from Him. If y'all understand that, say amen. God always had a plan for mankind. That means Jew and Gentile. By the way, there's only three different groups of people that God recognized, Jew, Gentile, and the church of God. That's what the Word of God says, 1 Corinthians 10, 32. And in that, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he was talking about the love uh, of God that enabled God to love anyone and everyone that would simply believe in Him. Now, wait just a minute. We're living in a day when there are preachers standing all across America and around the world from what is called the Reformed group of theology, the hyper-Calvinists say, wait just a minute, buddy, that's not true. Jesus didn't die potentially for everybody. Well, the Word of God says that He did. The best I can figure, John 3.16 says, for whosoever. That word means everybody, every man, woman, boy, or girl. The world means uh, the, the cosmos. It's exactly what the word is in the Greek. You see, God made a plan to allow His Son not to offer a limited atonement, but an atonement, friend, for the world. Jesus died so that every man, woman, boy, or girl could be saved by the grace of God. And I'm glad for that. I'm glad we preach that kind of gospel here. But look, second, let me tell you how amazing that it is. Jesus began to talk about this. He, it, it's so amazing. He said that, listen, that God did not limit the experience of His Son that He would have in order to provide sinners uh, need, something that they needed, although they did not deserve it. Look, look, look. Turn with me. Let me, let me express this. In, here's another one of the passages. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. Great passage of Scripture. Theologian calls this passage, I preached on it here from this pulpit, the kenosis or the self-emptying passage, the kenosis of Christ. In this, 
these verses, we have the humiliation of Christ. In the verses that follow it, we have the exaltation of Christ. It make a good, good message that I want to hear to preach. Listen to what he said in verses 5 or in 6 and following, not 5. Well, let me get 5 to Let's mind be you which also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, took upon him the form of servants, made likeness, made in the likeness of men. Now watch this. This is what I wanted to get to. Being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, and look at the next word, even the death of the cross. Now listen to what this means, this unrestricted type of love. It meant that Jesus, now listen to this, let's think about this, let's think deeply. It means that Jesus, God's only begotten Son, God manifest in the flesh, this Holy One, this sinless One, this perfect One, this One that never sinned, never even had a thought of sin, was pure, totally within and without. It meant that He, now get this, think about this, think a little deeply this morning, it means you have to die on an old rugged cross. I'm just letting it soak. It's not that I don't have anything else to say. Every now and then when, when a mechanic works on equipment, he comes up to an old uh, uh, bolt and nut that's been uh, on something for a long time. It's got rust and debris on it. He'll take a WD-40 or, or SR or whatever, and he'll spray it on it. And you know what he'll do? If he's smart, he'll let it rest. If he's like me, he's in a hurry, and the boss says, when well, are you going to get that done? Take a hammer and knock it off, a brush, and you need to put it back on, you keep working, Right? If you've got time to let it soak, let it soak. Listen to what that meant. That meant that he would have to die the most shameful death that a man could die. It meant that he would die as a malefactor, a criminal, a guilty man, as if he were guilty of one of the most grievous crimes that man could commit on the cross of Calvary, the most cruel means of death ever designed to man. Are we getting this? It meant he would be exposed to great humiliation. It means that according to the law, he would be accursed. You remember what I told you out of the book of Galatians, the word accursed was just a couple of weeks I preached and used that passage. It means let him be damned. Let him be judged is the word. And Jesus was judged in my stead and in your stead. Oh, shouldn't we stand up and shout and sing, Oh, how I love Jesus right about now. Get it. He died my death. He died your death. Not a death that he deserved, but one that I deserved because he loved me. I who was unlovable. I who should be in the pits of hell this morning for a lost eternity, paying for my sin debt, dying forever, paying for my sin debt and never getting it paid for. Yet he, who sat in the presence of angels that cried continually, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, mounted that cross, willingly stretched his arms out as far as east is from the west, and cried as they nailed him to a father. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. The cross marked the lowest step the lowest step Jesus was to take in his earthly humiliation. None of us can simply conceive the depth of humiliation. Our Lord chose to endure 
simply because he loves us. Imagine he who is from everlasting and is everlasting. He who is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, worshipped and adored by angels and an angelic host, emptying himself to, in order to die in our stead, to die in our place. The most despicable and deplorable manner that man has ever conceived and known simply because he loves us. I don't know about you, but as I'm thinking, as I look back at Debbie when I said that, and I tell her I love her, I mean it. But how far would I go to show that? Are y'all with me? Is, is this hitting your heart by now? Well, I pray God that it is. If, if, if this message doesn't hit our heart, if it's only in our head, it's not made its right journey. I love her. I was really glad to go to work every day that I could. Even days when I hardly felt like that I could tie my shoe. Matter of fact, there was a fellow by the name of Roy. He was a midnight plan operator. He was eat up with, with uh, arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. It's all he could do to move and do whatever he did. And I'll never forget one morning I came in. I, I never went in to work early. I was there to make a living. I wasn't there to live. And I went there just to get my boots on and show up to where I wouldn't be late. And he saw me doing his bet, my best to tie my shoe. Now, you look, this fellow's like this. And he said, he called everybody little buddy. He was a little man himself in stature. He was a sweetheart of a guy. He said, uh, little buddy, you want me to help you get your boots on? I said, Roy, when the day comes, you have to help me get my boots on, I'll quit. I wonder how much I would love her. How much I do love her. Never forget, I'm testifying right now. I'm just done with the message. I'm almost done. Never forget, we first got married. I went in debt over. And that's in a time. Listen, friend, we didn't have any money, did we, Dad? I mean, we didn't, we didn't have any money. Went down to Cox's. Found the prettiest gray pantsuit you had ever laid your eyes on. She was working at the bank at that time. You know what I did? I went in debt to buy a pantsuit. Now, that's funny to you all, right? Y'all go anywhere you want, buy anything you want. You know what I'm saying? No big deal. But it was a big deal to us. How many of y'all remember layaway? You know what I'm saying? It's credit cards in reverse. That's what that is. And I went in that for it. She liked it. She wore it. And it was pretty. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't illustrate the kind of love God has manifest for us. But you're talking about amazing grace. Listen to this, what God gave me. The power of God's love for us was not manifest in the life that Jesus lived, but in the death that he died. Let me say that again. The love God manifest for us was not manifest in the life Jesus lived, but in the death that he died. That's a pretty powerful statement if I, if I did write. And this was God's man, love manifest, 1 John 4, 9 and 10, in that he gave his son. God, did, listen, God didn't hold back anything. Another verse, somebody, if you stay where you're at, let me read this really quick, and I'll get it done with this. I've got to get done with this message. I, I'm, no, I, I'm not even started, and I'm talking about getting done. Listen, listen to what he said. What shall we say in chapter 8 of the book of Romans, 31, 32? What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all. And yet, 
The hyper-Calvinists say that Jesus died and shed His blood in an unlimited atonement. The Bible says that He spared His Son so that we could all be saved. Spared not His Son, that we could all be saved. Listen, listen now, He goes on. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? You know what, John, you know what, you know what Paul said God was saying? God was saying, listen. I want you to know how much I love you. I love you so much, I gave you the best thing that I had. I gave you my only begotten, one-of-a-kind son. You didn't deserve it, but you need it. My love would not allow me to do less but send my son in your stead. Now, if you think that I wouldn't give you anything else that you needed to make sure you get to heaven, you've lost your blooming mind. That's my paraphrase. That's what he's saying here. If I give you my son, do you think I'd hold back anything from you to make sure you get to heaven? You see, this chapter is about the security of the believer. When you get down to it, that's what it starts with. It starts with, uh, with no condemnation and ends with the promise of no separation. I'm telling you, God's love is amazing. It's unrestricted. Let me move on. See, when he was suspended between the heaven and the earth, it was as if he belonged to neither. He hung there disgracefully between two criminals dying the most shameful death that he could die simply because he loves. And again, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 15, he died for all of us. Listen to what a lady said in a poem that she wrote. The title of it is called The Ninety and Nine. Her name is Elizabeth Slephane, C-L-E. P-H-A-N-E, Slephane, I believe it is. But none of the ransom ever knew how deep were the, do- the waters crossed, nor how dark was the night that the Lord passed through. There he found the sheep that was lost. I can't fathom the darkness that he was in. <laughs> when he cried, my God... Can you? At noonday, the middle of the day, it wasn't in the time of an eclipse. In the noonday, the Word of God says that the sun was darkened. It went black throughout all the world. Say, why? Because the light of the world went out. And he cried from within that darkness, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? None of us can fathom that. None of us can conceive what that means. It's absolutely amazing to me, but it was unrestricted love. It's an incomprehensible love. You know what that means? That means it's not, we're not able to understand. I'll give you another verse of Scripture, and then this will be my last one. Chapter 3 of the book of of Ephesians. Listen, listen, Listen to what Paul wrote. It was a prayer of Paul. He said, for this cause, I bow my knee unto the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom the whole family in uh, heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by the spirit of his inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love. Now watch what God's going to do here. Paul, God through Paul is going to introduce the four dimensions of the love of God. And we live in a three-dimensional world. Am I right? Spatially, we live in a three-dimensional world, and yet Paul prayed for something that was impossible. Paul prayed that the people of Ephesus would get 
and understand a four-dimension love of God. Listen, what, this is an amazing passage. He said that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the depth, the length, or what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. Four of them. And, the low, and listen now, he caps it off with this. It's one of those. He said that he, he caps it off where he said, and to know the love of God which passeth understanding. You say, what's that mean, preacher? Paul prayed for the impossible as far as it went intellectually. Paul was saying, I want you to know the love of God that you cannot know. In other words, look, I can't explain it, neither can you. But if you need it, you can experience it. You can experience it to its fullness. Everybody in here that's saved, say amen. Everybody in here that can explain the love of God, stand up and take off talking. Nobody can. But you can experience. How many times? Listen, if you've experienced it in times you didn't deserve it, say amen. If you have experienced it in, in ways that, that just were overwhelming to you, say amen. I mean, have you ever experienced it when God just manifested His love on you where you didn't think you could stand another drop? Say amen. But you can't explain it. But you can say, boy, now listen, listen, let me, let me tell you all something. I preach against experience being the only test of why I believe what I believe. It's not theologically sound to do that. And this generation is living on experience above the Word of God. Our experience must be tested by the Word of God. If it doesn't match up, it needs to be junked. But I'm not discarding experiences. Man, I've had some, but I want my experience to be in line with this book. Paul said, I want you to know the love of God. What he's talking about is experientially, not intellectually. You see, it goes beyond our understanding. Paul prayed that we would know it for ourselves, And you do that when you meet Jesus at an altar of prayer. It's not explainable. See, part of the good news of the gospel, the love of God, that is manifest us for us is that we don't have to explain it. All we have to do is hear about it and accept it by grace through faith. So let me give you the last one, and I'm done. It's, it's inextinguishable. You can't put the love of God out. And we'll forget one year, Debbie and I went, led a group to the land of Israel. Judy, did you get with us in... In August on Masada when it was 129 degrees up there. Were you there with us that year? You know, you know what we had to do? We had to take our umbrellas. And we had them up, man, in the dead of summer down there in the southern end of, uh, of uh, uh, the Salt Sea, down at the Dead Sea, the lowest part of the earth, 1,200, 1,300 feet below sea level, and up on that mountain Masada. It was brutal that day, wasn't it, Deb? Well, listen, let me tell you, it's a poor illustration, but I'm a poor preacher. Let me tell you something. There's a sinner in here, a sinner listening. Let me tell you what. You might put, it up, put up an umbrella, and you might block the love of God from changing you. You may be resistant of it, but listen to what you cannot do. You cannot keep God from loving you. We put that umbrella up, and it didn't stop the sun from shining. Use Boone County language, nary bit. Still hot. Listen to what the Word of God says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Man, this is, this, all these scriptures, folks, listen. 
you take notes, if you take this home, you can do study on this message, this passage. It, it'll be endless. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Hey, listen, friend, if you don't know who that is, that's me and you pre-Christ. A lot of people put their self above where they actually were. We were sinners on our way to a Christless eternity. He goes on to say in verse 7, For scarcely for a righteous man will some dare to die. For adventure would, for a good man would some even die. Look at verse 8. I love this. I want to shout it. But God commended, manifest, declared His love for us while that we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. It's inextinguishable. Well, I'll tell you what. Jealousy cruel as the grave, the Bible says. But what does it say? The other side of it said, strong waters cannot quench love or something like that. Boy, we should have found, thought that before I got here in this pulpit. You, you don't have to come under God's love, but I'll tell you what I encourage you to. Jeremiah 31, 3 said, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. I know it's written to Israel. I know the content of it. I read it this morning before I wrote it in my notes. I even read John 13 and 1, where in that chapter, Jesus does a remarkable thing. Supper being over, he laid aside his, his, his coat, girded himself with a towel, took a pitcher of water, poured it into a basin, and went throughout that room. And that upper room, on the night before that he was to be crucified. And you know what he did? He washed the feet of a man that would betray him, a man that would deny him, and the men that would forsake him. Amazing, is it not? You know what verse 1 says in chapter 13 of the book of John? And he loved his own from the beginning. He loved them unto the end. Listen, sinner friend, God will love you all the way to hell. That's about the best way I can make application of that. He does not want you to die lost. In fact, he's done everything he could do to keep you from dying lost. If you choose to die lost, it's up to you. See the kind of love I've been trying to preach about today is agape love. It's the love of God. It's the love of God. And I know I've not expressed it very well, but every head bowed, nobody looking around, I'll ask you something.